welcome back. And if you're new to my podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Today's episode may be a little challenging for some, and it's my hope that it can bring awareness, support, and potential healing to all who can relate to it. And before we dive in real deep into today's topic, please let me introduce myself. Hi there, my name is Dr. Kelly Ray, and I'm a mindset coach, counselor, notably known as the Inner Critic Tamer, and I am passionate about helping others just like you and me who have gone through some things that we don't necessarily like to talk about, but we want we know we want to be better for ourselves because it not only impacts our lives, it impacts those around our lives in a very positive way. I'm obsessed with teaching others how to tame their inner critic, that inner childhood conditioning, or as I'd like to say, undo some of that crap that may have happened along your way and keeps you somewhat stuck or keeps you from fully living the vibrant life that you are designed to live. And during this episode, we're going to be talking about dealing with suicide loss. Again, I know that this is could be a potentially challenging episode and I encourage you to hang in there with me so we can get through this together. This particular episode is very personal to me this week as I just lost my dear cousin two days ago from overdose. And that's not always an easy thing to deal with, even if you can rationalize maybe the reason why things happen the way they do. It's still never easy. So let's talk about dealing with suicide loss. Facing the loss of a loved one is always difficult. But losing someone to suicide can add another level of pain to your grief. The shock and anguish following a suicide can seem so overwhelming. As well as mourning your loved one's passing you're likely also wrestling with a host of conflicting emotions and struggling to come to terms with the nature of their death. You may feel guilty wishing you had done more to prevent their suicide, upset at yourself or others for having missed any clues to their intentions, or even angry at your loved one for abandoning you. Many people grieving a suicide start to question the relationship they shared with the person, wondering why it wasn't enough to keep them alive. Some even experience suicidal thoughts on their own. Compounding all of this is the nagging question, why? The replaying of your loved one's final act over and over in your head and the constant second-guessing of what you could have done differently. At such a devastating time, you may also find yourself having to deal with maybe the police questioning, maybe media intrusion, and the stigma that suicide can still carry even to this day. Suicide might conflict with your culture or religious views, 
Some friends and family may feel too uncomfortable to reach out to you, while others may feel less sympathy for a death that was self-inflicted. Denied your usual source of comfort, you can be left feeling isolated and alone in your grief. It's likely you'll always be left with some unanswered questions about your loved one's suicide. And the sadness at losing them in such a tragic way may never completely disappear. But there are ways to deal with the pain. And as difficult as it may seem at the moment, in time, you can learn to come to terms with your loss, resolve your grief, and even gain some level of acceptance in order to move forward with your life. It's necessary to be able to move forward with your life. So let's talk a minute about suicide loss and complicated grief. The suicide of a loved one is often so sudden, shocking, and deeply disturbing, it can trigger a condition known as complicated grief, where the sorrow and pain of your loss remain unresolved and don't ease up over time, preventing you from resuming your own life and relationships. You may struggle to focus on anything else, feel numb, detached, and empty, or be unable to accept your loved one's death. Looking for them in familiar places or imagining they're still alive. You may even feel like life isn't worth living. Complicated grief can also lead to major depression, psychological trauma, or post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD, where you're plagued by intrusive thoughts, upsetting emotions, and a persistent anxiety that prevents you from functioning in your daily routine. If you're depressed or traumatized, it's important to seek help and make the healing changes that will allow you to find some peace and acceptance. So let's understand that we all grieve in our own way. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, and almost 800,000 people around the world die by suicide every year. Each one leaves behind a host of suicide survivors, people who have lost someone close to them in this tragic way. But while many other people have suffered a similar loss, it's important to remember that your grief is highly personal to you. Everyone's situation is different and there is no right or wrong way for you to grieve. So I can't stress this enough to not judge yourself by how others are coping or believe that you should be thinking or feeling a certain way at any given time. With any loss, grief often comes in waves, ebbing and flowing rather than in a set of predictable stages. Any grieving process can take a long time and throw up many difficult and unexpected emotions, but following a suicide, the normal responses to bereavement are often intensified. While your life will forever be changed by the loss of your loved one, 
to suicide, and there's no way to avoid the emotional barrage of guilt, sorrow, and heartache that comes with that. There are healthier ways for you to cope with this pain. Allow yourself to feel and express your emotions. You may think it's better to hold yourself together and avoid experiencing all the difficult emotions you're feeling at the moment, but they exist whether you try to ignore them or not. Attempting to avoid them will only delay and deepen your pain, oftentimes resulting in physical ailments. If you allow yourself to feel even the darkest, most disturbing emotions, you'll find they'll start to diminish and the pain you're experiencing will gradually ease. I would recommend that you also share these with somebody who can help you as you're going through your grief. One of the one of the greatest tragedies of all is when we isolate ourselves, when we disconnect from others thinking we can handle it on our own. It's a matter of needing someone to help you get inside that thought process, that brain process of yours to help you navigate those uncharted waters or those very harsh, rapid waters that are causing this process to be so hard. I also encourage a journal. Even if you don't write and maybe you're not even ready to talk about the difficult thoughts and feelings you're experiencing, write them down because they can provide an important release for your emotions. It may also help to write a letter to your loved one, saying the things you never got to say to them. And I also want you to know that you are free to burn or shred this journal or letter after writing it as another way of release. Look, this isn't necessarily something you want somebody else to find or read one day. This is something personal for you so that you can get these thoughts and emotions and feelings outside of your head because the problem is is we stay in there too long then we start creating stories that are not necessarily true and images that are not necessarily true and experiences that are not necessarily true but they become our reality because we're stuck in this loop inside of our head remember your loved one's life was about more than their suicide their final act doesn't need to define their life. Try to remember and celebrate the important or joyous aspects of their life and of your relationship together, even if this means you have to go so far back as childhood to remember those kinds of moments. Because maybe this family member has been out of your life for a minute because of what they've been dealing with and experiencing. Look for those moments. Look for those things that you can remember and make you smile. This, this isn't them. This is a choice that they made, but there was more to them than just that one choice. Maybe mark their achievements and share memories, photos, and stories with others who loved them as well. Expect up and downs. The healing process rarely moves in a straight line. Some days your grief may seem more manageable than others. 
Then a painful reminder, such as a birthday, a holiday, a favorite song, or maybe a memory of something that you experienced with them in the past or remember of them in the past can bring this wave of pain, sadness, anger, guilt, shame. And this can happen for years even after they're gone. Have some ease and grace on yourself and understand that these ebbs and flows happen. And and honestly, quite often you don't have control over when they show up. It just shows up. I've had to, when my mom passed, uh, due to an uh, unexpected accident, even still today, and that was 15 years ago, I can wake up and be going about my day and all of a sudden I'll have tears in my eyes because I think, not necessarily consciously thinking of her, but it's almost like as if some little memory surfaces and there you are. I've learned to embrace that. I've learned to accept that it is just what it is and I use it as a moment and an opportunity to say, hey mom, how are you? I miss you. I love you. Rather than be upset that I'm crying for no reason or be upset because I'm upset in public somewhere, quite honestly, who the hell cares? Take care of yourself. It's difficult to think about your own health at this time, but the stress and trauma you're experiencing right now can take a serious toll on your mental and physical health. To try to eat healthy Get some physical movement regularly. Get enough sleep and spend time outdoors, ideally connecting with nature. Nature is extremely healing. While it's tempting to turn to drugs, alcohol, or food to help numb your grief, self-medicating won't ease the pain and will only create more problems in the long term. Be patient. Don't try to rush the healing process. Other people may move on or seem to move on or want to stop talking about your loss long before you do. If possible, avoid making major life decisions while you're still overwhelmed by grief. And if somebody is not necessarily wanting to talk with you about it, find somebody else that will. Find somebody else who's kind enough to not hold that can hold space for you without judgment reach out for support don't try to tough this one out on your own people who have lost someone to suicide often withdraw from others because they're worried about being a burden on others or having their loved one be judged but leaning on others for support can help ease the burden of grief And when you feel ready, talk about what you're going through can be an important first step in the healing process. Until that point, you can still draw comfort from just being around understanding friends and family members who care about you. Let them in. The truth is you're maybe numb for a while or angry or feel guilty and or shame or a culmination of all of those emotions. Please understand that that's all very, very normal. The key is not to ignore these emotions 
and to not stay stuck in them for too long. In our society, there remains a stigma attached to both suicide and the mental health problems that are often a contributing factor. Some religions view suicide as sin. Some people will be less sympathetic or want to avoid the subject altogether, while others will seemingly go out of their way to make insensitive or hurtful comments. Even if you can't rely on a religious leader or certain friends for support, there are always still so many people out there who are willing and able to step in and help. Allow them to. Seek out supportive friends and family. Confide in people you trust to be understanding, who are also willing to listen when you want to talk and won't judge or tell you how you should be feeling. They just hold space for you to process. Maybe consider joining a bereavement support group, ideally one of those who've lost someone to suicide. Being with others who have experienced a similar loss can offer invaluable support and guidance. You can be free to open up about your feelings without fear of being judged or made to feel awkward. Even if you'd rather just listen, hearing others in a similar situation can provide hope and make you feel less isolated in your grief. Talk to a therapist or someone who can help with grief. If you're struggling to find adequate support, turning to a mental health professional with experience in grief counseling can be definitely beneficial. I can certainly help as well. My practice is not dedicated to grief, but I have, in fact, helped others as they go through the grieving process. Use social media carefully. Social media can be a useful tool for letting others know about your loved one's death, allowing people to share their condolences and tributes, and for reaching out to others for support. However, it can also attract a toxic element. People who post insensitive, cruel, or even abusive messages, harsh judgments. You may want to limit your social media use to close groups on platforms such as Facebook or WhatsApp or something like that, rather than making public postings that can be read and commented by anyone. Also being mindful of sharing before knowing whether all family members know about the loss of their loved one. That would be a really tragic way for someone to learn of their loved one is through social media before having an opportunity to have a family member reach out to them. Talking to others about your loss. Many people find it difficult to talk about their loss, often for fear of how others will react or judge. After the suicide of a loved one, who you choose to confide in and the amount of information you decide to share are always very personal decisions. There are going to be people, and I know this personally, I just saw this happen for somebody posting about the, my cousin. My cousin's daughter posted a post sharing about the loss of her mom, my cousin, and then in the comments, someone saying that they were sure sorry. Could you please tell me what happened? 
quite honestly, it's really none of your damn business. Second of all, does it really matter? This this girl is grieving the loss of her mother. I don't know that that's the appropriate place to do that. Being mindful of how we respond to people in their loss matters too on how they heal. You may want to be honest with close friends, but again, be discerning in who you do that with in order to protect your peace in the process. So how do we talk about this with children? Because this is life, right? It's never easy to explain suicide to a child or teen. But lying or trying to shield them from the truth can often cause more hurt, fear, and anxiety in the long run. Try to be as honest as you can while tailoring your explanation to an age-appropriate level. For young children, for example, you could explain that their loved one had an illness that made them pass away. Make it clear that the child or teen in no way caused or contributed to the person's death. Point out that not everyone who feels sad or depressed dies. If they ever feel that way, they can reach out to you, a crisis line, or other family or friends for support and be willing to get them support. Consider finding a grief counselor or a child bereavement support group to help your child deal with their loss. And I highly recommend this for anyone and everyone who isn't sure how to have these types of conversations with kids. Because these conversations will be with them for the rest of their life and the choices that they make down the road, meaning how they perceive death or any of those things. This is a very, very delicate topic. And having support to work through that would be beneficial to everyone. At some point, we have to move beyond the question of why. When you lose someone to suicide, one question can run over and over in your mind and the mind of others. Why did they do this? Why didn't they find a different way? Why didn't they get help? Why didn't they reach out? Why, didn't, why, 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 why? Unless the person had been battling a terminal illness and chose to suicide, choose suicide as a way to hasten the end, for example, most answers you come up with may feel anecdotal inadequate. Suicide is very complex. There tend to be many different contributing factors and rarely any neat simplistic explanations. Even those who've attempted suicide and survive often struggle to provide a clear answer to the question why. And in truth, even if they clearly were to give you that answer, that one may not even be acceptable enough for you because you don't understand it. But we're also not in the same mindset as the person that's struggling with this. Most people will die by suicide, have a mental or an emotional health problem, such as depression, bipolar disorder, or PTSD, even though then less than half have previously been diagnosed. Relationship problems, 
substance abuse, physical health issues, bullying, legal difficulties, and financial stress can also be major contributors. Again, is it really our place to judge them? And if your answer is yes, ask yourself why. Why is it so important that you judge another person's choice? It doesn't serve any benefit in being able to help. Maybe not that person, but somebody in the future. Even if your loved one left a suicide note, they may not provide the answers you're looking for. Someone who is suicidal has a skewed view of what's happening to them. They are in so much pain. The only way they can see to escape that pain is by taking their own life. They're not thinking of the devastating effects their actions will have on you. They're just trying to escape the unbearable pain they're experiencing. Most wish for an alternative way to end their suffering, but are so blinded by negative emotions, they can see there's no other solution. While trying to understand everything you can about your loved one's suicide is a normal part of the grieving process, it's likely that you'll be left with questions that can never be answered. Even if you do uncover all the answers, it won't change the past or ease the grief and loss you're experiencing right now. In time, however, it is possible to move beyond the question why, accept the unknowable, and start to heal. And I know letting go of guilt or anger or blame in the situation may be challenging. Enduring the loss of a loved one to suicide can leave you riding a roller coaster of powerful, often negative emotions. In many cases, whether you're a friend, a parent, spouse, sibling, or other relative of the person who died, you're likely have strong sense of guilt, anger, blame, or judgment about this. Your anger may be directed at others, someone who should have taken better care of the person, someone who let them down, or even your loved one for leaving you to deal with all the pain and fallout. Alternatively, your anger may be turned inwards, and you blame yourself for your loved one's suicide. You may feel that you should have done more to spot the signs, get them help, or not make the situation worse, for example, or maybe have stayed in connection more, or done more that you felt like you should have done more to show up for them or understand where they were. As a parent, guilt may stem from feeling that you somehow failed your child in their upbringing or as their protector. As a spouse, sibling, or close friend, you may feel guilty that you said or did something wrong or that you weren't there for the person when they needed you most. If your loved one endured a long battle with mental illness, you may even experience guilt about feeling pangs of relief that their suffering is finally over. And as your grief begins to ease in the months or years following the suicide, you may experience new feelings of guilt as you start to gradually move on with your life. 
But healing doesn't mean forgetting. It just means looking at feelings of blame and guilt in a more realistic way. Except that some things are beyond your control. While we have control over many things in life, we can't control everything, including the actions of other people, even those we love. Is the blame you're assuming for your loved one's death justified? We can justify anything, right? Doesn't mean it's true. Could you really have prevented them from taking their own life? The truth is, here's the truth. We have far less power over others than we like to believe. I want to repeat that again. The truth is, we have far less power over others than we like to believe. So I want you to separate responsibility from blame. Try to find someone to blame as a common response to such a painful loss, whether the blame is directed at yourself, your loved one, another person, or even God. While your loved one is the only person responsible for their suicide, that doesn't mean they or you deserve blame. The blame lies only with the pain, grief, depression, addiction, other mental health issues your loved one was experiencing that drove them to end their life. Understand that anyone can miss the warning signs. Even mental health professionals can miss suicidal intentions in someone. People who are suicidal don't always appear desolate or hopeless. In fact, many display a sudden calmness once they've settled on a plan to end their lives. We can never truly know what's going on in someone else's head any more than we can predict the future and see what's coming. So how do we look forward? When you lose a loved one to suicide, life is never the same. But it can be happy, it can be fulfilling, and it can be meaningful again. As you cope with the pain of grief, it can help to reflect back on your loved one's life and the good times that you shared together. It's also okay to allow yourself moments of joy and to look forward again. Instead of feeling guilt about leaving the person behind as you start to heal, find ways to celebrate your loved one's life as you gradually move on with yours. Because I'd like to believe that they are moving on with their life in just a different way. Maybe create a memorial or tribute to your loved one. You could create a memorial site online, write a blog, make a scrapbook of your loved one's life, start a campaign for suicide awareness, or donate to a charity in their name, for example. Even simply lighting a candle or visiting a special place to mark an important date can help to promote healing. Consider using your loss to help others. Maybe use your experience to volunteer at a bereavement, suicide prevention, or mental health organization, 
for example, or reach out to others in your community who are in need of help. It also may be an opportunity for you to learn more about mental health, substance abuse, depression, etc., in order to help others. Pursue activities that bring meaning to your life, whether it's a favorite hobby, interest, or sport. There's comfort in resuming activities that are important to you. It can also help you connect with others and come to terms with your loss. Acquiring new skills or staying physically active by enrolling in some kind of fitness class or an adult education program, for example, can help to ease stress at this disturbing time. I cannot express enough the importance of physical activity as your body is carrying the excess weight from the emotions of grief and sadness and anger and guilt and frustration and just loneliness. All of that weighs so heavily on our bodies that it's important that we move to keep all of that moving through our system to give us mobility, to give us some freedom, to give us some endorphins to allow us to elevate our own mood. Sitting around is not going to help that. Also being mindful of the foods that you're taking in. So how can we help someone grieve a suicide. While it's normal to feel awkward about consoling someone who's grieving a suicide, don't let that prevent you from giving support. Don't let that prevent you from showing up for them. People who lose someone to suicide often feel stigmatized and isolated. They may fear others criticizing, blaming, or judging them or their loved one. It's important to reach out early. And I know as much as we offer to help, they may not know that the help that they need, that might be something that you bring them food, that you offer to go on a walk with them, you offer to sit with them and and say nothing. You can just sit there silently with them. It's the fact that they know that there's another living human being with them, that words don't necessarily have to happen at that moment. Don't feel that you have to provide answers, that you have to give advice, or that you have to say all the right things. Rather, it's your love, compassion, and caring presence that counts. It's also important to be there for the long haul. While everyone grieves differently in different time frames, someone mourning a suicide will need support long after the funeral is over. We all need support after losing someone who is special or significant to us, no doubt. It's being mindful of staying in contact. While the pain of suicide loss may lessen over time, it will probably never fully pass. Be mindful of birthdays, anniversaries, and other times that may be especially hard for you or those that are bereaving the person they've lost. Let them know that you're there to help them cope with each new wave of pain and grief and sorrow. Definitely through the full first year. Those first year is so challenging. 
It feels necessary at this moment for me to share some do's and don'ts when it comes to this particular subject. With regards to the do's, accept that you may feel awkward or uncomfortable talking about suicide. You can even admit that you don't know what to say or do. Just don't let your discomfort prevent you from reaching out. Invite the person to talk about the loved one they've lost or to share memories if that's what they want to do. The important thing is to be there, whether the person needs a shoulder to cry on or a listening ear or just a warm body in the room. Understand that they may have many strong and conflicting emotions at this time. There's no right or wrong way to feel or behave after a loss to suicide. So allow the person to express their pain and loss without judgment, without putting your two cents in on it. Offer to help with practical tasks such as grocery shopping, preparing meals, notifying others of the death, or helping with funeral or celebration of life ceremonies. When talking about the person's death, use terms such as died by suicide or took their life or chose to end their life. Which brings me to the don'ts. Don't use the term committed suicide. This implies that suicide is a criminal act and will only reinforce the stigma and make the grieving person feel more isolated. This is not something new in society. This has been going on since the beginning of time. And at what point do we stop being so quick to put our two cents on what we think it is rather than acknowledging the loss of the loved one to somebody else who maybe meant the entire world to them? Don't make judgments about the person who died or label them as selfish, weak, or crazy, for example. Suicide is the result of extreme emotional distress. Emotional distress that many of us may not ever understand and or some of us may have worked through some of that. Maybe there's been times in your past where you, you may have had really deep, deep, heavy thoughts. Maybe not necessarily of ending your life. But we never know when somebody could get to that level. Again, the things that are going on in our head, oftentimes we're not talking about with others. Don't demand an explanation or speculate on the reason why the person took their own life. Your role is to be supportive, not interrogate the grieving person. Listen and allow them to direct the conversation. Don't lose patience. Someone grieving a suicide may need to talk about their loss over and over again without fear of interruption or judgment or telling them to get over it or hasn't it been long enough or how is this helping going over it again. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Let them do that. Talking over the same points can help them come to terms with what happened. You can definitely encourage them getting some help from somebody that can help process with grief. If you're feeling overwhelmed by the situation, there's no shame or guilt in that. 
In fact, you might be doing yourself and your friend a favor to do that. Offer to go with them. And as I begin to wrap up this week's episode, I realize it's a harsh reality that many of us will face that we have no control over what else someone chooses to do for themselves. And the last thing we need to do is rush to judgment or criticism because in all honesty, it does not serve one damn benefit. It's time to lead with kindness, compassion, and grace, even if we don't understand or even if we don't agree with the choice someone else made. I'd like to dedicate this episode to my sweet cousin, Tracy Lee Laboda Zimmerman Story, who chose to take her life two days ago. It's my hope, my sweet cousin, that this episode helps others, as I know that would mean so much to you. I'll love you always. And we'll miss you until we meet again. Until next week, please know I send each and every one of you so much love. Love.